Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. So, today's gospel's a little scary. I have to say, Monday morning's always a challenge, but whenever I look at the gospel I'm supposed to preach on and see the words axe, fire, fork, unquenchable, viper, I get nervous. Uh, Because on the surface, it sounds like the arrival of Jesus is very similar to the arrival of Santa Claus, only much more frightening. I mean, is that what John the Baptist is saying, that you better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why Jesus Christ is coming to town. He's making a list. And checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus Christ is coming to town. And then a special little verse I just wrote for this occasion. He sees you when you're sinning. So I think it's time you learned. The wheat he will be gathering in, but the bad trees he will burn. So, uh, spoiler alert, that's actually our offertory hymn for Christmas Eve services. Invite your friends, all are welcome. So here's the first thing in all seriousness I do want to say about today's gospel. The point is not to scare us into a changed life, right? Because how does Luke sum up John the Baptist's speech? So with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people. Jesus' arrival is good news, as is every single word that John speaks in today's gospel. And so take heart, I do not read today's gospel primarily as a picture of the last judgment where the sheep and goats are divided for all eternity, but I invite us as the people of God to hear it this morning as a spiritual formation text written to Christians, people like you, people like me, who await the coming of Christ. And what today's gospel offers is a clear picture of what Jesus will do when he arrives. The axe, John says, is lying at the root of the trees, and every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, what does this mean? Well, we need to start by remembering that John the Baptist was a prophet, deeply rooted in our Old Testament scriptures, and that he often referenced those scriptures when preaching to the people. And I say that because the specific imagery that John offers today of a tree, a healthy tree being nourished 
by a riverbank, that this is a clear allusion to Psalm 1, the very first psalm in our Bible. And as we heard read today in Psalm 1, the righteous person is kind of like a tree, a tree that is planted by streams of water so that it can yield fruit in its season. In other words, the whole point of Psalm 1 is to help us ask a very specific question, which is, where is it exactly that our lives have been planted, and what do the roots of our soul rely on or draw from in order to find nourishment? Because whenever it comes to living our life, there is a really big difference between being a tree planted by a riverbank and one that has to depend on the outside rain, the fickleness and unpredictability of the outside rain to find nourishment. That there's a difference between living a life where the roots of our soul can descend deep into God to find nourishment and a person that has to depend on outside factors to make us feel like a worthwhile human being and to sustain our sense of happiness. And the reason I make this distinction is because I believe that our great spiritual problem as human beings is not that we are evil, it's not that we are bad people, it's not that we are uh, hopeless misfits with some deep, unredeemable, intrinsic flaw. Our problem, at least in the tradition of Psalm 1 and the Old Testament, is that we're like trees planted somewhere east of Eden, and therefore trees that naturally bear the wrong kind of fruit. I mean, right, because even though God repeatedly tells us that we are the objects of his love, his very own beloved, children of God, made in his image. We still frantically live our life and spend so much of our time desperately searching for someone else or something else or some possession or some experience to validate us, to affirm us, to name us, just like a tree, a tree that doesn't have a nearby water source and has to rely on outside rain to stay alive, so often we find that we are relying on the fickleness of outside factors to bolster up our sense of significance and worth and happiness. And what I hear John the Baptist saying in today's gospel, which again, I personally receive as very good news is that when we get to meet our Lord once and for all, that Jesus will take those places in our life where we have been seeking nourishment outside of God and with both love and also precision, that he will pull them up by the roots. Meaning that that part of us that seeks nourishment and having money, it will be uprooted. 
that part of us that seeks nourishment and being respected and liked and approved of, it's going to be uprooted. That part of us that seeks nourishment and being right and winning every argument, sad to say, it's going to be uprooted. And God will do this in our life, not because God doesn't love us, but precisely because God does love us. And because the Holy Spirit's work is to purify and refine and to burn up with a holy fire those wayward parts of ourself until each one of us is perfected, shining like the stars in the sky, bearing the image of God without distortion. To put it a little differently, God's work in the human heart, it is always beautiful. It is sometimes painful. And so I want to give you an example of what this spiritual uprooting work has looked like in my own life. I could offer many examples, uh, but the one that I've chosen for today comes from several years ago, back when I was living in Houston, Texas, there was a young man by the name of Gerardo that I used to visit in prison every Wednesday night. And so for about 12 months, our relationship was lived out in the safety of a very small room where visiting hours were set and where an armed guard would kick me out at 7 p.m. sharp. But then Gerardo was released. And so I worked with his probation officer and I made a commitment to staying in relationship. And so the two of us, we started to meet at a McDonald's near his home every Monday at 4 p.m. And, you know, for the first month or so, this arrangement worked out quite well. But then Gerardo started to show up late and eventually not at all. And he would not return my text messages or my phone calls. And uh, to be honest, I was mad and I felt disappointment and I felt hurt. I had invested a lot of time and energy in this relationship. And from my perspective, he did not seem to care or to appreciate what I was trying to do for him. Eventually, he went back to jail but this time, it was a different facility where I was not allowed to visit. And in my disappointment, I prayed. And more specifically, I told God that I was mad and that I had done all I thought I could do to help and that he should have responded to my encouragement and my advice. And then I listened to hear what God might have to say to me. And you know the funniest thing? I did not hear God say a word about how Gerardo needed to change or grow as a human being, but I'll tell you what I did hear. I heard God say that what I had offered Gerardo was not myself or my heart but a slot on my calendar, and that because I was too scared to have him into my home 
and not really open at all to getting to know Gerardo on his own terms, that going back to his gang was the only option he had, the only family he had. I then saw in my heart a lot of fear and a lot of prejudice that I didn't even know was there. I saw mixed motives for mentoring him in the first place, and to be honest, I saw a lot of self-righteousness. And I want to be really clear about something. The voice that pointed this out was not a judging voice. It was not a shaming voice. This voice did not condemn me at all. But it was a clear and loving voice. A voice whose sole concern was to help me see the chaff in my own heart that the Holy Spirit still needed to burn, the, the weeds in my life that God wanted to uproot. And friends, that work in my life is still ongoing, as I'm sure God's work in your life is still ongoing. But here's the thought I want to leave you with this morning. As Christmas approaches, when you experience pain, when a relationship breaks down, or when a comment breaks your spirit, when your impatience frustrates you, or when your effort to control the mess of life inevitably fails for the thousandth time. Just stop, pause, Take a deep breath and ask God this question. Is there something I habitually think or do or say that needs to be uprooted? Is there some chaff in my heart that you want to burn? But fair warning, do not pray that prayer unless you really want an answer. Because there is no path to spiritual maturity. There's no path to having the image of God perfected in us that doesn't involve some pain. You know, I think I've said this before, but whenever Michelangelo was asked how he carved his magnificent David, what he said was, I just looked at the raw block of marble and I took away the bits that were not David. And what today's gospel is ultimately about is Jesus' longing to carve away those bits of us that are not really us at all. Because as badly as we want to plant ourselves where our souls can find nourishment in the things of this world, it is good news. It is great news that Jesus comes to uproot us and replant us in a different world altogether, which we call the kingdom of God. And so take heart. As we heard in last week's reading, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. The axe is lying at the root of the trees even now, the master artist is chiseling, and in his mind, the masterpiece, who you are, and who God created you to be, and who God is fashioning you to become, in the mind of God, it is finished. 
meaning that God sees you as complete, saved, whole, loved. And so with that said, I thought I'd share one final verse to our song. God asks us not to worry. His wrath we will not face. It's his goodness that uproots us and replants us in his grace. Amen.